You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. We can say that he was no ordinary person. Well, why can we say that? Well, first of all, he'd been asked of God, hadn't he? We, we know how his mother Hannah was praying in the temple, uh, in the tabernacle, sorry, uh, when Eli saw her and thought she was drunk, and she was praying that she might have a son because she was barren. So she was def- he was one that was definitely asked for by God. Uh, and his birth then was, can be said to be a miraculous birth because um, she was barren and yet she, God granted her her wish to give her a son. Uh, and that puts him in a very elite group of people, doesn't he? Think who else were, were born to uh, a mother who was barren. Uh, and there's Isaac, of course, uh, and John the Baptist. In, in both those cases, they're, 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 the mother was um, getting old and, and unable to have children, and God gave them a children in, uh, miraculously. So he's in a, he starts off in a very elite group. And another inst- um, way in which he's different and elite, in that he was consecrated to God before his birth. If you look at the first of Samuel chapter one and um, verse 11, this is part when Anna is asking for a, um, to be given a, a son. Uh, verse 11, it, it says there, um, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. So even before he was born, it was decided that he was going to be a Nazarite. Um, So who else? Who else before they were born was picked out by God uh, and chosen to be a special servant to, to him. Well, there are several. Uh, one of them is, is Samson. If you look in Judges chapter 13, uh, when the angel appears to um, Samuel, Samson's um, mother to say, you're going to have a child, he said, the, the angel says, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Um, Jeremiah, God says to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So um, he was chosen out even before his birth for uh, a particular role in the purpose of God. Uh, And we have John the Baptist when the angel appeared to Zacharias in in the temple um, and said, you're going to, your wife Elizabeth's going to have a son and you're to call his name John. And it says there, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel 
to the Lord God. So there's three other people who were chosen before they were born for a particular role in the purpose of God. And of course, there's one other, isn't there? There's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in Isaiah 49, we have a, a prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus. And it says there, uh, the Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. So again, then Samuel then is in a special group of people who were chosen by God before they were born. And he was blessed by God. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 21, it says there, And the Lord visited Anna so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. We'll go down to verse 26. Uh, it says, And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favour both with the Lord and with men. And that little bit is, is very telling, isn't it? We'll come back to that in a short while. Uh, we go to chapter 3 and verse 19. Uh, and it says there, So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. So he was blessed by God. God was with him. Uh, and we said we'd come back to that verse 26 because in Luke we're told about Jesus that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. And, and I think I'm right in saying that those are the only two characters in the Bible where it says they were in favour with God and with men. So he was a very special person. He was no ordinary person, was he? And Samuel, as we know, served uh, as a priest. But while he was a priest, he was no ordinary priest. Because if you look in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, where we have some of the genealogies of the, the, the Levites, we see that he was the family of Kohath. Now, the priests were, we're told, were to be descendants of Aaron. And the other Levites, they were to act as support workers with the, 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 the priests helping them, but not actually officiating in the temple itself. If we look, for example, there are other places as well, at Numbers chapter 18, and it says, um, you and your sons, your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Also bring with you your brethren, of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of weakness. Now here's the key bit. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die. So they were to help, but they weren't to actually partake participate in the offering of the sacrifices. 
So he wasn't of the priestly line. We, we see in, um, in 1 Chronicles what the, the descendants of Levi and the priests were to come through Aaron, Elias, and Phineas onwards. But um, Samuel came through this line here, through Izar, Korah, Eliasaph, uh, and so on, uh, several generations down to Samuel. So it was from a, a different branch of Levi to the priests. And yet we're told he wore a linen ephod. Um, now, not exclusively, but mainly when we talk about someone wearing an ephod, it's a priest's garment. Uh, and in particular, the high priest uh, is described as wearing a linen ephod. But we also read when we go through his life that regularly he sacrificed to God. Where in that passage we've just looked at, we're told that the only the descendants uh, of Aaron should be offering the sacrifices. The other Levites weren't supposed to, but Samuel did. Uh, and also under the law of Moses, the sacrifices were only to be offered at the tabernacle. But um, Samuel sacrificed in various high places. And he ministered to the Lord from a child. The, the priests were only to minister between the ages of 50, uh, 30 and 50 years. Uh, and after the death of, Levi, of Eli, as far as we can tell, it seems as though he effectively became the high priest. So he was a priest, but no ordinary priest, because he wasn't, he was of a different priesthood to that of Aaron. But when we look at the, the priestly role of Samuel, Samuel, we see that he did much to uh, restore the worship of God. If you look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 21, it says there, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. When it talks about the Lord appearing, it, it, it seems to me to be indicating the, um, the, the glory of the Lord dwelling between the cherubim in the most holy place. And it seems that it had departed because the Israel, Israel weren't worshipping God as they should. But under Samuel, the, the glory of the Lord came back because they were once again worshipping God as they should. Uh, and of course, um, Samuel caused Israel to repent. We read about that, haven't we, in, in that chapter 7, which Mike read for us. We look at verse 2. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroths from among you. And prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the bows and the ashtrets and served the Lord only. And Samuel gathered all 
Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray you to the pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. So there was this repentance in, in the days of Samuel. He brought them back to the true worship of God and away from idol worship. And, and that would sort of indica indicate then that they were remembering once again the law of Moses uh, and it restored the hearts of the people uh, to, to the worship of God um, in a similar way to what is prophesied in Malachi that the Lord God, that Lord Jesus would do. And interestingly, they observed the Passover in his day. Now, we don't learn, learn about that in the altar, in the um, in Samuel, in the book of Samuel, we learn about it when we come to the book of Chronicles in the days of Josiah, when he instituted his reforms. And in particular, they had this marvelous um, keeping of the Passover. And it says there that there had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. And none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. So that keeping of the Passover in the days of Josiah was matched, it would seem, by that that was kept in the days of Samuel. And I find it interesting that it, even in the days of David and Solomon, the, the keeping of the Passover wasn't uh, as good. So he, he caused the people to turn to the worship of God. And it seems that Samuel had a, a particular vision of how the worship of God in the nation should develop. Now, as we read in the beginning of chapter seven, um, the ark having been brought back from the Philistines was at Kirjath Jerim for um, 20 years, whereas the tabernacle was elsewhere. And you ask your question, why didn't Samuel reunite them? It would have been very easy to say, right, bring it back and put it in the ark where it belongs. And I'm suggesting to you that the reason he didn't do that was because he had a grand plan as to how the worship of God should be developed. And let's think about what we mean by that. Well, one thing we learn is he began collecting the materials needed to build the temple. And he not only began the collection, but he also inspired Saul and David with his, his vision. And we learn about that when we look in Chronicles, when they're starting to gather together all the materials in order to be, begin building. And it says, some of the spoils won in battles they dedicated to maintain the house of the Lord. 
And all that Samuel the seer saw the son of Kish, Abner the son of Ner, and Joab the son of Zeruiah had ded dedicated. Every dedicated thing was under the hand of Shelimoth and his brethren. So at that point there, we learned that Samuel himself had begun this collection. Uh, and we can only assume that, you know, knowing the sort of character that Saul was, that he, he got his idea, he contributed because he was encouraged to do so by, by Samuel. So Samuel had come up with this idea then, and let's build a temple and let's start getting ready for that, for that temple. And he inspired others with his vision. And also we learn that he worked with David to actually organize how the worship would take place in, in the temple, in that temple when it was built. If we look at um, 1 Chronicles 9, verse 22, it, almost as an incidental thing, it says there, all those chosen as gatekeepers were 212. They were recorded by their genealogies in their villages. Daniel, uh, David and Samuel the seer had appointed them their trusted office. So David and Samuel at some point had sat down and said, right, when this temple is built, this is how the things will, will work. Who's going to do this job and who's going to do that job? And that begs the question, when was that? When did Samuel and David sit down and talk about these things and make these plans? The only, the, the only time I can see where David and Samuel spent some time together was in 1 Samuel chapter 19. David is on the run from Saul. Saul's out to kill him. So he, he runs away and he goes to Samuel uh, and he spends, and Samuel and, and David go away and hide from Saul. When you come to 1 Samuel 25, Samuel dies. And as far as we can tell from the record, Samuel and David weren't together at any point uh, between those two occasions. And of course, David wasn't made king until we come to the second of Samuel chapter two. So it would appear then that on this occasion when David was running for his life away from Saul and he goes to be with Samuel, David's in fear of his life, but what are they talking about? They're talking about this temple that was to be built and how the um, people were going to worship in that temple and what the different jobs would be in that temple and who should do them. And that, I think, is a, a remarkable thing. So Samuel then had a, a great influence on the future worship of God. Now, thinking about when the temple was um, brought about and the, the worship of God in that temple, was this the first time when the temple was worship was institu instituted that um, singing was introduced into the uh, normal worship of God? We, we have mentions in the uh, building of the 
temple and the organization of the temple of singers and musical instruments and who would play those instruments. But when you look at the setting up of the tabernacle and giving of the law, that there's no mention of singing at all. There were hymns, we have the Song of Moses, but not that they were used in worship. Just something to think about. And Samuel had an influence on that, if that's the case. So that's the role of Samuel as a priest. But he was more than just a priest, he was also a prophet, wasn't he? Um, but not like the other prophets. Several times he's described as Samuel the seer, and of course the word seer is a, an alternative name for a prophet. Uh, and if you look at chapter 3 of 1 Samuel and verse 20, it says there, And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Uh, and again in chapter 4, verse 1, Now Israel went out to battle, oh, and the word of the Lord, um, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So Samuel was established as a prophet. And note he was accepted as a prophet by the whole nation, from Dan to Beersheba, not just a part of it. Many of the prophets, they just prophesied in one particular area, either to the north or to the south of, it, of the land. But he, he was accepted as a prophet throughout the whole land. And if you go to chapter, uh, chapter 9, uh, and verse 6, where this is the incident where Saul and his servant were going looking for the asses that were lost, uh, and we, they, they can't find them. And in verse 6, the servant says to, to Saul, uh, Look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honourable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we shall go. So he was known to... Uh, to, to Saul's servant, and known as one whose words came to pass. But Samuel was one who was noted more for forthtelling rather than foretelling. Um, we, we tend to think today as prophesying, as telling the future. But of course, the, the role of the prophets was to twofold, not just to tell the future, but to give forth a message to tell people how they should behave before the Lord God. And Samuel is more noted for that rather than telling the future like we have in the, the writings of the prophets. Uh, and the recorded prophets that it does have are, are directed more to individuals such as Eli and Saul rather than to the nation as a whole. But interesting, he did foretell if you go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 24, where we have Peter giving a speech, Peter says there that Samuel was the first of the prophets to tell them about David's greatest son who was to come, the one like Moses, the Messiah. Let's look at what Peter says. He says that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses 
truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatsoever he says to you. Now it shall be that even the soul who will not even hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from his among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold of these days. So we've got there the statement of Peter that Samuel prophesied about this one who was to come of the seed of David, who was to fulfill the role of the, the prophet like unto, unto Moses. So Moses prophet prophesied about one like him. But the earliest prophets we've got a record of in, in the Old Testament are Obadiah and Joel and Hosea, Hosea who, who were talking mainly about the restitution of Israel. But the, all the prophets, as they go, come afterwards, they build on what those earlier prophets have said and give us um, more and more detail. Uh, of this one who was to come, you know, particularly people like Isaiah tell us all about what this seed of David, this one prophet like unto Moses was going to do and how the things he was going to do. But, Sam, but Peter is telling us that Samuel preceded all of those in trying to prepare Israel for their, their coming Messiah. So while there's no record of what he said, he was an important prophet in preparing them for the coming of this Messiah. But in some ways, Samuel himself was, could be looked at as a fulfillment of this prophecy uh, that Moses gave us, one like him. Why, why do we say that? Because like Moses, he judged the nation. Uh, like Moses, he gave them a pattern of the place of worship, because we've looked at how he had this plan for the temple. Uh, and he, like Moses, he acted uh, as a priest. So uh, he, he fulfilled those different things. And so in some ways, he was a fulfillment of the, the prophet like unto Moses. So he was a priest and he was a prophet. But he was also a judge, a ruler of the people. He's described as a judge in chapter uh, 7 and verse 6. Um, at the end of the verse 6, he says, And Samuel judged the people of Israel at, at Mizpah. And again in verse 15, it says, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. So he was a judge, but he wasn't like the other judges. We, we've seen he had um, this circuit, um, which he went round every year, but he didn't lead them in battle like other judges. We think uh, people like Gideon. Uh, going and gathering the people together in an army and going and fighting their enemies. He didn't do that, did he? The, the nearest he comes to it is what we've read in chapter 7 
uh, verse 17, while it, they were, he was leading the worship of the people, the Philistines come uh, and, and attack. But if you look at um, that account, um, at the end of the, it in verse 13, it says, so the Philistines were subdued and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Um, uh, and so it seems like he brought to the people, the, the nation, peace and safety because the Philistines were subdued and they didn't uh, come back. Um, it's possible, actually, that Samson um, overlapped the life of Samuel, uh, and we know how he um, helped to subdue the Philistines. So he brought peace and safety, uh, and he judged the whole nation uh, and united them uh, as one. As we see, we've already looked at chapter 3, verse 20. It says there, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Israel had been established uh, as a prophet. And he was a righteous judge. Nothing evil is spoken about him in, in the scriptures, only good things. Um, so he can be looked upon as a man of peace rather than a man of war. And as we said, he judged the whole nation and he was a righteous judge. And then we come to um, the people coming to act as a, ask for a king. Samuel's getting old um, and his sons didn't follow in his, way, his footsteps. So they come to him and they say, make us a king. So look at chapter eight. Verse one to seven, where they come asking for the king. But verse five in particular, what they say about what they're asking for. He said to them, they said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So the king, they was looking to the king to be act as a judge amongst them. And of course, that's the, the role that Samuel was playing. He was acting as their judge. So um, by inference then, they were considering, they considered Samuel to be their ruler. He was a proxy king ruling on um, God's throne. And they're object, objecting not to Samuel, but to his sons because um, the sons didn't follow in his footsteps. So to summarize then what we've um, looked at, he was a prophet and he was a priest and he was a ruler. So perhaps we can say he was one after the order of Melchizedek. We can look at the effects of his leadership and under his leadership, the glory of the Lord returns to the tabernacle. He 
you turn the hearts of the people back to God. Israel observed the Passover in his days. His work affected all of Israel. And everything he said was effective and came to pass. And God was with him. And that in a way that it's only used of Samuel and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's very special and he was unique in the, in the um, history of Israel. One final point. When we turn to the book of Hebrews, to chapter 11, that passage of faith, men of faith, uh, when he's summing up, the writer says, what shall I say more? What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched violence uh, of, of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned flight the armies of the aliens. So there's a list there of the accomplishments of these men uh, of faith who we hadn't got time to consider, amongst whom was Samuel. So I asked the question then, which of those accomplishments it lists there that we've just read out could apply to Samuel? Uh, and I would suggest that most of them. Samuel was a, a man of faith who through his faith did great things and set the scene for a new order of things in the worship of God and effectively laid the foundation for a new covenant. And therefore we can look upon him as a type of Christ, a special and unique person in the life of Israel. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen